0: Let's go in depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central. On Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into another fun-filled edition of the Hawk Central Radio Show. Right here on 106.3 KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico, longtime Des Moines Register columnist who covers the Hawkeyes. And I will take you up to 7 o'clock tonight. Hawkeyes are coming off. A twenty to thirteen Cyhawk win that they controlled from start to finish. So that's some good news for Iowa. Now two and zero ranked number twenty five in the AP poll, and everything is still on the table this season for the Hawkeyes. Cade McNamara getting healthier. Seems like the room or the, the locker room is uh, on the on the uptick this week. Hawkeyes are feeling good about themselves. It was a loose atmosphere, which we talked about in our YouTube pod uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Yet there are some concerns, some of of which might get ironed out or magnified in this Saturday's matchup against Western Michigan to close the non-conference season. To discuss those topics and more, I'm happy to bring on my Hawkeye teammate at hawkcentral.com, Tyler Tashman. Welcome, Tyler.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this discussion.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about Iowa's offense. It's something you wrote about, uh, went online this morning. Uh, the Hawkeyes won their first two games, you know, not by crazy margins, 24, 14 over Utah state, 20 to 13 against Iowa state. Uh, no games of 400 plus yards since Maryland, 2021. That's 24 straight games under 400 yards. Pretty remarkable stat, Tyler. Um, but you wrote about the offense and and what, I guess, encouraging signs there have been. And I kind of felt the same way when I rewatched the game for DVR Monday, too. Why don't you point out at least one or two things, and we'll continue the, the conversation as we go here.
1: Yeah, I think just comparing where Iowa is through two games this season to where it was through two games last season. Um, and, and look, I, I think the frustration is understandable, and, and I'm not here to say that. Iowa's defense, or offense, excuse me, uh, is even good. I don't think it's not good right now, but the main point I feel is important to kind of address is that it's at at least better. It's improving, which I think is a step in the right direction. A couple, uh, you know, a few numbers that I kind of pulled up was that, so this is comparing last season's first two weeks to this season, total offense last season was 316 yards. Total offense this season, 519 yards. Uh, passing yards was 201 last season. Uh, this season, it's at 319. In uh, the rushing yards, 115 through the first two games last season. And uh, I was at 200 through the first two games this season. So, look, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. But at the same time, it feels like in a lot of ways, was offense is close. It, it seems like on some of the deep balls, you know, it's just little timing things and this is a unit that's still working through building chemistry and Cade McNamara missed this time leading up to the season. And you have new guys like Seth Anderson, Eric, all Caleb Brown. So it's, it's a new group. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not here to tell you that I was offense is good or great or anything like that, but um, they are better than where they were at this point last season. And that's the numbers show that that's not, you know, it's not really debatable, now if if we're having this same kind of conversation uh farther down the road then i think it's a lot more pressing cuz you would like to see the offense they need to continue to take you know kind of in, incremental steps forward so um but right now i i don't think you know it's not time to push any panic buttons i think that there there have been some encouraging signs
0: well and that's kind of the thing is uh, that's why i brought up the 400 yard topic to start the show i mean there is uh, there's understandable frustration out there, and that was evident even after the win against Iowa State in my inbox uh, Saturday night. I mean, the, the Hawkeye fans just are, you know, I think they wanted that game put away earlier, and it wasn't. So I just pulled out a few samples. I'm not going to name any names, but just a couple little emails that I got I wanted to read on the air just so we can kind of understand the frustration that's out there. One, one of them said, please don't tell me how good Iowa's offense was today. Nine first downs, less than 300 total yards. Please, totally get it. Just, you know, just nine first downs. That's that's not good. Uh, no, obviously, Iowa only ran, I think, 51 plays, something like that. But still, nine first downs, not really acceptable in the big picture. Second uh, email uh, that I wanted to read was was. Uh, Also pointed, said, I thought Petrus and the line were the problem the last two years. I was wrong. Our offense this year is pathetic. The receivers can't get open, and McNamara has no one to throw to. The offensive line can't block, so we can't run. I miss the days of the line blowing open holes and our backs running for daylight. I hope we average 20 points this year and finally get rid of at least part of the problem. So, uh, again, not everyone was satisfied with the uh, with the Hawkeyes victory against the cyclones. But uh, you know, I think we've both objectively looked at it and seen incremental signs, but it, it kind of points to this week, Tyler, where, okay, yeah, you scored 37 points on offense this year through two weeks. Last year it was 10. Now, can you really up that this week against Western Michigan? Last year's week three opponent Nevada, it was a 27 to nothing win. Uh, as I'm kind of writing for my uh, game day column, that is the only win in this 24 game stretch in which Iowa has uh, beaten a team by more than three touchdowns, and it was a 27 nothing win with lightning delays that ended at 139 in the morning, and nobody could really enjoy that anyway. So fans are really cra- what I'm saying, Tyler. Is fans are really craving that enjoyable, comfortable win. And I guess the, as we get going tonight, can that be this week? I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think this this week surge as kind of a, a chance to kind of build confidence and, and
0: yeah, that's a good good way of, to put it.
1: Maybe kind of air things out and and um, but just because that, of the timing of the game, like it's a it's against a, a team in Western Michigan that Iowa, frankly, should beat pretty easily. Um, but also because. This is kind of, it feels like the last true deep breath you can take before you get into the Big Ten schedule because starting, uh, you know, the the next, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday at Penn State, you kind of get thrown into the Big Ten play with uh, a very difficult environment. But then beyond, you know, it's Big Ten play from there on out and and whether I will get to the Big Ten championship, it's going to hinge on what it does, uh, you know, in, in each game. So, I feel like this is kind of because of the opponent, because of the timing of it, because of kind of the traces and hints of, of the offense that we've seen the first two weeks. This feels like a good opportunity uh, to kind of have a breakout game to maybe put those questions to rest a little bit, and, and before before you start facing defenses, uh, you know, on a week in and week out basis that are going to give you a lot more challenges. It feels like maybe especially even in the offensive line in the run game, this feels like a great opportunity uh, to build confidence and kind of establish themselves.
0: Well, and the Brian Ferentz 25 points per game contract clause, certainly hovering right now as a national story. ESPN's Adam Rittenberg wrote about it this week. Uh, you know That's, that's still on the front page of ESPN's college football uh, page right now. And you know, it's, it's lingering and, and I don't think they should change it or anything like that. I mean, as you can see, there's people frustrated about with where the offense is still, and so yeah, I think I think this has to be the week that you see a jump, a big jump. Maybe not monstrous jump, but you got to see more this week. You got to see more yards, more points, uh, consistent connections. You got to see receivers catching balls. Uh, only four wide receiver catches week one. Only four wide receiver catches week two. So. You know the Cade McNamara health thing seems encouraging now that he's practicing this week, uh, a full his first game week of practice of the season, first week, first time he's done that as a Hawkeye. So, you know this this is this is the chance for Iowa to kind of maybe change the narrative. I guess is what we I think we're both saying because the the Ferentz contract is hovering right now, and it should be. I I'm not disagreeing with that. But there are 22 points per game through two weeks. Now is the chance to up it, build yourself a little cushion if you're Kirk Ferentz, if you're Brian Ferentz. And I'm not saying they're going to just start running it up or anything like that. But it's just an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, you know, take the point total from 44 to say I don't know, 80, 80 or 90 even through three weeks, and and have that points per game, uh, you know, well above 25 going into Happy Valley, where you're going to probably face the best defense you're going to face the rest of the season. And then, uh, you know, and, and you just like to be able to have that confidence as a group, like you said, um, to to take your shot at Happy Valley. Because if you win this game comfortably, you feel a lot of excitement going into that game. But yeah, it's a whiteout. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. I think Iowa's an early 10.5-point underdog. It may be growing. But it gives you a chance to, to all of a sudden, you know, maybe steal a signature-type win and then just put this season into a whole new type of stratosphere. Uh, Here's a quote from Brian Ferentz from that piece, and then uh, I'll let you respond to that, Tyler. He goes, I want us to win. That's what I care about. Would I like everybody to be happy? Sure. I would prefer that it's not a story. But if we have a choice between winning a football game and what, in my opinion, would be careless or disrespectful, dot, 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 I want to make sure we win. I have a responsibility to the players and coaches and the people in this building. This is not about me. I'm not going to make it about me. So, I feel like I keep get at, getting asked, like, will Iowa run it up for these points? And I just don't think that that is going to be in Iowa's character. And we saw that the first week because they got the ball with a few seconds left with a chance to kick a field goal, and they took a knee against uh, Utah State. They could have made it 27-14 pretty easily.
1: When they also took out Cade McNamara too, right? right? I mean yeah. he played Hill in as well. Um, my my thoughts on this, and, and look, I wasn't around on the beat when uh, this whole kind of contracting went into place. My thoughts on, I mean, like I said, the logistics are what they are, but it, it feels like a kind of unnecessary uh, distraction to me. You know, I i don't know if there was a way to do this where it didn't become public. I i imagine that that would be difficult to do. but nah, you can't.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't be possible. Yeah,
1: I'm, it just, I don't know. It, it feels like kind of, the whole, you know, 25 points per game, you know, scoring at least that amount, it feels like kind of something, an unnecessary distraction and talking point that could have easily been avoided of, you know, you evaluate Brian Ferentz at the end of the season. And if it's not up to par, then, uh, you know, he doesn't keep his job. I don't think you necessarily needed to have this in writing. Um, I just think it's, I just feel like it kind of casts more negativity over than, than it was needed. And, look, maybe it ends up working out. Maybe uh, Iowa's offense ends up uh, exceeding uh, the 25 points per game. But uh, And, I, and I, I get the frustration, too, about uh, this is a concrete number. And, you know, if he's under it, then that's it. And there's no kind of – it's very black and white, I guess you could say. But it just feels like it's kind of – it's a talking point that didn't need to be a talking point, and it and it almost has kind of made the atmosphere around Iowa's offense a li- like. I don't know if it's within, but at least outside of it, it kind of made it even more toxic of being able to bring that up, and I'm sure it put Brian fans kind of under more scrutiny. So, um, yeah, it's just another well, layer that I he's feel lucky. Like I mean,
0: he's lucky to have a job. So he's lucky yeah. to have a job after the two years he's put together as offensive coordinator, uh, and I respect him a lot, but. I mean most people in his position would have been fired and uh he wasn't. So um let's uh let's move on to defense because we did talk to Seth Wallace today with the uh yeah, Iowa assistant De- defensive coordinator and linebacker's coach. Um interesting t- interesting comments throughout. I felt like uh, it seems like Seth is pretty pleased overall. Uh I wrote about the pass rush that's the other concern I think we need to kind of address on top of the offense. Tyler is only one sack through two games this year, and uh I wrote a piece that'll actually go online tomorrow morning with regards to why that has occurred. Is Iowa's defensive line not as good this year we We thought it was going to be maybe the strength of the team, but you gotta think about it. Lucas van Ness uh you know was sacking Justin Fields the other day. Uh, Noah Shannon out for the year. Uh, we found that out uh, finalized um, on Monday with the NCAA appeal falling flat. You know, John Wagner was a solid rotational guy, at defensive end. He, he, you know, graduated, moved on, whatever. Um, so, th- so this defensive line is new. It's getting, uh, it's, you know, finding its way, I suppose. But there are also a lot of other factors that have taken place. And I think probably the, the, most significant one is that both Iowa State and Utah State have had quarterbacks intent on going to their first read, and that was something that that Wallace talked about today. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I guess we've we've seen the quick passing game from both teams, but you know his point being that with young quarterbacks, especially Rocco back to Iowa State, they're not gonna put him in that drop back game against Iowa's defense, right? I mean, you don't want him sitting in the pocket trying to make decisions as that pass rush is closing in because that's how you make mistakes. It's like, go to your first read. That's our best chance to make a completion and throw it. So in that sense, number one, not enough time to get to the quarterback if they're getting rid of the ball quick. And number two, it's a waste of resources to try to to blitz if you know that is their plan to get rid of the ball so quickly quickly might as well keep those guys in coverage. So uh, I I think what Iowa has done defensively has been solid. It's not been flashy, but uh, still, I'm eyeing this sack number. Just one through two weeks, it is last uh, with with seven other teams in college football.
1: I think, I mean, too, you could look at it from the sense of teams watching film and and being able to – offenses that Iowa's going to play in the future saying – well, they were able to neutralize Iowa's pass rush so we can do something similar. And and that's not to say that they're going to totally close up the playbook, but I think that teams, uh, you know, Utah State and and Iowa State have had some success doing these kind of little quick passes. So it's maybe something that uh, Iowa's opposition looks at and and sees that it was able to kind of gain some traction. Um, On the other side of things, I think that, I mean, there are just some younger guys on the line, Aaron Graves, Y.A. Black, and it feels like uh, as they continue to get more experience in games, uh, they'll continue to get better. Um, Because a guy like Noah Shannon, uh, losing him, I mean, just the veteran presence that he has, how many snaps he's he's played, um, you know, I think that maybe we underestimate his loss a little bit, but I think Joe Evans, uh, Deontay, Craig, Logan, Lee have been good. I think maybe just with some of those younger guys, as they continue to get on the field more, you probably hope to see that comfortability kind of go up. And we've heard, I mean, a, a lot of really good things about Aaron Graves. Um, so it feels like maybe it, it might end up just being kind of uh, a situation, but also just kind of a ta- like a time thing of just them needing to be on the field more.
0: You're listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. This is Chad Leistico talking Hawkeye football with Tyler Tashman. There's just a few minutes left here in our first segment. We'll get into our five big questions to preview Western Michigan pretty shortly here. But uh, a couple other things that Seth Wallace brought up today was uh, you know I would say complimentary comments about Ethan Herkett and Sebastian Castro, both guys we don't necessarily talk about a lot. Uh, Ethan Hirket I feel like deserves uh, quite a bit of praise, Tyler, for you know he gets the last. Uh, tackle of that game for the Iowa defense. Fourth and one, he sees the ball uh, getting handed off to uh, Cartavius Norton and makes a big stop. Uh, that ended the game effectively, get, gave Iowa uh, the ball to take 2K to McNamara knees. And then uh, the other little interesting nugget was regarding Ben Keeter, the linebacker. Uh, sounded like he was. Uh, Doing well on track to suit up week one against Utah State and then had an ankle injury, but also noted, uh, Seth Wallace noted that things have changed at Carver. Uh, The news from Carver, I guess, is the way you put it. Uh, You know, we've we've heard rumors of gambling suspensions potentially involving uh, heavyweight Tony Cassiope uh, as a season long situation uh, for the Iowa wrestling room. Now Seth did not say that, but he alluded to the fact that Ben's plans have changed in wrestling. I think he was going to redshirt with Cassiopeia in his sixth year. Uh, now it uh, you know I, it almost sounds like to me that Ben Keeter, the world champ, you know, maybe doing a little bit more wrestling here <laughs> as a true freshman uh, with Iowa's linebackers, not needing him on the field. Uh, your thoughts on? I mean, this is going to be such an interesting story just following Ben Keeter's career and already it's taken a little bit of a curveball uh, as <laughs> in year one for Ben Keeter.
1: Yeah. And I know you did a story on him, uh, leading up to the season and just for him to take on that challenge of, of wrestling and playing football. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty difficult. It's, it's, it's hard enough to play one of those sports, uh, at, at a place like Iowa, where the, both of those programs are at such a high level, but to try to do both of them, um, that's, um, that's a, a tall task. Um, I think also, you know, Seth Wallace talking about Sebastian Castro and just um, obviously he had the pick six against yeah, Iowa. Yeah, I'm State. glad you brought
0: him back up. Go ahead.
1: Um, but just kind of the growth that he's had over his time at Iowa, like Seth Wallace was saying, basically, when Sebastian Castro first got here, he was, was a, it was a lot of just he, he wasn't able to diagnose plays. There was a lot of just him. Uh, going you know wherever he was going at really fast and uh usually headed in the in the wrong direction but you know over his time uh the more reps the more practice uh the more experience he's he's been able to kind of have that same aggression and instincts but now also be able to kind of play within a system and know how to work within a defense so uh you know to me he's been one of the more encouraging kind of storylines of Iowa's defense on a, on one that there has been uh, a fair amount of good storylines, but uh, that, I mean that one tackle he had two against Utah State where he was basically going one on three and right. like, submarined his way to a tackle. Um, but he he seems like a guy that just really hasn't uh, is is kind of a unheralded and maybe overlooked guy on Iowa's defense, and it feels like uh, you know he's kind of deservingly so starting to. Uh, get more reg- recognition because, I mean, he was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year this, or D- Defensive yeah. Player of the Week. Maybe he will be Defensive Yeah, maybe. Player of the year. <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, yeah, Defensive Player of the Week. So, but I mean, so he's starting to, uh, you know, kind of gain some more traction in and outside of Iowa. All
0: right. Good stuff. Coming up next, five big questions as Iowa closes out its non-conference slate facing Western Michigan on Saturday. What are we going to be watching at Kinnick Stadium? We'll tell you next here on Hawk Central, 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, as always. Happy to be rejoined by Tyler Tashman, as always. Uh, Western Michigan at Iowa. I think the kickoff is not until 2.40 p.m. Saturday. Sold out Kinnick Stadium. It'll be on Big Ten Network. Uh, Reminder to fans that this is a gold out game. The announcers are the fabulous Lisa Byington, uh, former Hawkeye Anthony Heron, who does a great job on BTN. And how about this? Speaking of wrestling, Shane Sparks is your sideline reporter. This could be a really, (laughs) that could be a very animated halftime interview with Kirk Ferentz with uh, Sparks on the sideline. Uh, The spread is currently, as I talk, 28.5 in favor of Iowa, over under about 42.5. So, Tyler, let's dig into this matchup with our five big questions. First of all, uh, we have not talked about uh, Western Michigan too much. So, number one, what do we need to know about Western Michigan? I will bring up one thing that Kirk Ferentz brought up and his players brought up is that he is one and two. Against Western Michigan in his career, he lost to them in 2000, uh, which I realized yesterday when I was going through it. I actually covered back for the <laughs> back in the day for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. I have no idea what my sidebar was that day, but it had to be pretty uh, uninteresting. Uh, they also lost in 2007, that took him out of a bowl game in the last game of the season in that November finish. And then there was the uh, blowout win over the PJ Fleck coached. Uh, squad in 2013 so Tyler what else do you uh what else can you enlighten us with regarding Western Michigan
1: well they play fast and I think that that is kind of similar to what Iowa saw against Utah State and just the up tempo so um I don't think it's supposed to be as hot as it was that very first game which I think uh should help just the conditioning aspect of it but um I think Iowa's defense generally did a pretty good job against Utah State and their kind of pace that they played at, but uh, it felt like they, uh, you know, they could have been a little bit better. So interesting to see kind of uh, if if Iowa can make that jump from what they did week one to week three against a similar offense, and also just looking to see uh, if they are if they do kind of go fast and uh, air it out, you know what. How does Nick Jackson? Uh, how does he kind of able to work through that? Because we saw that as kind of something being exploited by Utah State, um, and, and also with Jamari Harris coming back uh, to see how high, all, he kind of fits into the equation and start in stopping yeah. the passing game as well.
0: Uh, we will get into Harris a little bit later. Here are a couple of little other little nuggets about uh, the Western Michigan Broncos, uh, their coach. He's a first-year coach. Lance Taylor played at Alabama, was the run game coordinator at Notre Dame. Last year was the OC at Louisville. And get this, Hawkeye fans, he was the running backs coach for Stanford in 2015. So, uh, in a sense, he was behind uh, Christian McCaffrey tearing through that Hawkeye defense <laughs> in the Rose Bowl. Uh, although, I'm going to give most of the credit to uh, McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, like you said, they they run fast. Uh, average 83 snaps a game and more than 400 yards of offense. Uh, but I noted this week, Tyler, that that for the first time, Kirk Ferris did not compliment their punter, and that's because they have tried two of them. Uh, neither seem to be very good. They're averaging about 39 yards per punt, so it seems like Iowa should have a huge edge in special teams. Uh, their secondary does not look good, uh, and they gave up 45 points against Syracuse uh, in the first half alone. And lastly, how about this, Tyler? They have an eighth-year senior tight end named Austin Hents. How do, how does he have? How has he played for eight, eight years? I, I looked it so up. He's
1: almost he's almost a decade decade in yeah. college.
0: Yeah, it's wild. So he play he redshirted in 2016, like a, a, a real redshirt year at like Mercyhurst College. Okay, then he actually played for three years: 16, 17. I'm sorry, 17, 18, 19. Then his school did not play during the COVID year, so he still had one year left. So he grad transfers to Western Michigan, where he's had injury after injury, just like uh, almost like cruel injuries. So he's a bit, he was injured just before the season, um, like in both instances, 2021, 22, got medicals. And so this is now his eighth year of college. So he's an eighth-year senior tight end. How about that? He might be I as just, old as, as Tory Taylor, possibly. I did.
1: I just did math. If I if I did my math correct, I was a sophomore in high school when he started in college. Unbelievable. And um, You're so young. I graduated from college. So <laughs> and also I mean if if Western Michigan doesn't have a good punt, is there punter, is there really even reason to watch a game? Like if there's if there's not two good punters, is it is it worth even watching? Like oh, well uh, I wanna I see know.
0: Cooper DeGene run one back. So yes. I'm gonna say yes. But I get yeah. your point as well. If the ball even
1: gets to him, if the ball even gets to
0: him. You're right. Yeah, I'll we'll have to have a short man to, to catch the. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sure the punter will, will launch him now that I say that. But uh, anyway, number two, we learned a little about Western a lot of weird stuff about Western Michigan. Uh, number two, let's start with this. Uh, as we started the show, Tyler, does Iowa end its 24 game streak without a 400 yard game of offense? Uh, I'm going to just say
1: no. Because I wow think, wow, I, I know. Yeah, I was talking up the offense all the first segment of the show, and now I can No, I don't know. I just um,
0: hot take.
1: I, I I think. I mean, I think it would be encouraging if they do. I just think that uh, it's probably a little bit of a sh- stretch, maybe, to see them make that big of a jump, uh, considering they're at were they five nineteen for the year. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and say no, but I, there's a
0: chance, I guess. <laughs> You've already uh, let pessimism uh, creep in in your two weeks covering the Hawkeyes. No, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And the last time I I don't think I mentioned this, but the last time Iowa Top 400 was the f- 51 to 14 win against Maryland back on October 1st, 2021, and that was actually a fun night for Hawkeye fans. That's that's the last time Iowa's really had an enjoyable blowout win. I'm going to say they do, uh, but it's interesting, Tyler, they have not even topped 300 in any of their last six games, <laughs> so you are absolutely right that the challenge is high, uh, and the reason I say that I think they will is because Western Michigan gave up 496 yards against Syracuse, and Cade McNamara is getting healthier. I think we need to talk about this. I mean, here's a guy that says his quad is feeling the best it has in a month. He's practicing this week, that has to help. Kirk Ferentz, some of the guys downplayed it, like, ah, we already have chemistry, whatever. But but Kirk Ferentz really emphasized that, that this is a big deal that Cade is now actually practicing on the field, and I feel like that that is going to – I feel like that's going to pay off. And maybe it won't be this week, but I feel like uh, this is the week to kind of you know try to get that going, uh, as we said, with Penn State on deck. All right, number three, this is like the most – topical thing in my text group beyond anything is will the wide receivers get going is this the week iowa's wide receivers get going as i said eight catches for the season uh who are you watching uh on saturday uh for iowa's wide receivers who's going to have the big day who's most likely
1: i think seth anderson i think he's a guy that's kind of shown flashes of what he can do and uh when you talk about the offense feeling like it's close to getting there. I think he's a really good example of that. There was a play against Iowa State where he just put put a defender in a blender and was kinda, you know he he got a lot of separation. Cade McNamara just missed him. I think he's a guy that uh especially on that deep ball that, that he can kind of gain some separation and then beyond that, um I think, you know, a guy like Deontay Vines, who is capable but hasn't gotten a whole lot of looks. I think the good thing about Iowa's receivers is that there's just, it feels like there's a lot of them that can contribute, right? Besides those two guys, you have Nico Raggini, you have uh, Caleb Brown, uh, and then, you know, you have Eric Hall and Luke Lachey, who have been really good. But I think that you don't need one guy to be, wide receiver one on a game to game basis. I think there's enough guys that can contribute. I think part of it is opportunity and getting the ball thrown to them more. I think another part of it is just kind of getting that timing down because, uh, it, it has just in those first two weeks, uh, been slightly off in a handful of instances.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, getting a lot of questions about Kayla Brown. Um, kind of saw him maybe hobbling just a little bit coming out of the football facility don't know if there's anything to that but uh he was on the field at Iowa State in fact he started the game uh i he just has not been open yet so he's still kind of learning in that position and i agree i think i think what we've seen from Seth Anderson is the most electric of all the receivers thus far um so i'm looking for him to uh, to kind of Maybe be that, that top wide receiver target at some point. I feel like that he had a really nice catch. I uh, know it was only for, whatever, 14, 16 yards against Iowa State, and it was his lone catch, but it was nice. And uh, certainly could have had a 91-yarder uh, if Kate had connected with him. And then uh, another little guy to watch, not in the top five, but Jarrett Bowie uh, did make the travel roster. Iowa not playing any true freshman yet this year. But uh, there's a true freshman that I know they like, and maybe he can use one of his four games um, this week against Western Michigan, maybe get a cup of coffee. It seems like he's earned some time on the field if Iowa can build a big lead. And who knows? I mean, if he does something, maybe you know, maybe the red shirt gets pulled if, if uh, you know an injury or two occurs. So I could see Iowa trying to get uh, Jarrett Bowie on the field this week. And then, uh, you know, I guess the question is: as the Big Ten reprimanded Nico Regaini today for his scathing comments about the officiating, uh, does he kind of flex this week and, and get in the end zone? That's another little fun thing to watch uh, with the Nico storyline this week.
1: But they didn't find him. That's what he was saying. He was like, "What can can the Big Ten find me? They and cannot. They, they cannot." But it was a public reprimand, which is probably. Uh, well, it's
0: it's not as bad as a fine, but I guess yeah, that's all they can really do. So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the one thing you don't want, and we're all for candidness and candor. And I'm glad Nico is Nico, and he's awesome. I mean, he's just he's a he's a funny guy, great guy. <laughs> I mean, uh, you just don't want, uh, you know. I'm sure Kirk Farris just doesn't want whoever that official was, because that was a Big Ten crew. Uh, you know, to have. Keep that flag in his pocket next time it comes around, you know, because um, Nico said he was looking for the guy after the game. So probably good that he didn't find him. Uh, number four, uh, Tyler, what does an ideal look like? Ideal day look like for this defense? Um, you mentioned Jamari Harris. I think let's start there. If he looks good, to me, that is one of the top storylines of this day because then Iowa has two – Locked down corners. I'm not going to say we we're declaring it that way. But with Cooper DeGene, you already know what you got there. And teams were testing Deshaun Lee. If Jamari Harris has some kind of game where he gets a pick and it's just absolutely dominant, I'm not predicting he's going to be, but if he could be, and I'm asking the question, what does the ideal day look like for the defense? That, to me, is, is one of the elements of what an ideal day for the defense would look like if you've got two corners then that are really in lockdown mode and then you can kind of sprinkle into Sean Lee, you know, in your dime packages, nickel packages, whatever.
1: I think and we talked about it a little earlier, but just being more out of the defensive line, I think uh, them getting pressure uh, you know, on the quarterback, being able to, to stop the run consistently, I think just getting more of a push. And I think, uh, against Iowa State, Joe Evans did a really good job at putting pressure uh, on the quarterback and uh, week one, Deontay Craig did a good job, but I think maybe seeing some more out of the younger guys like uh, Aaron Graves, YA Black, Jeremiah Pittman, I think this is a great opportunity because of the uh, opponent and, and kind of the timing of things before you go to Penn State that um, now you know that Noah Shannon isn't coming back, right? is Appeal was denied, so there's no, you know, he's, there's, he's not coming back, so you know that you're not going to get him back midseason or late in the season. So I think uh, with that being said, you kind of want to see some of those young guys that are getting some of their first action in college maybe start to make a jump. So to me, uh, seeing, a, seeing a more dominant defensive line, I think would be encouraging.
0: Agreed, and I would say I'd like to see Cooper DeGene maybe take the second half off. Uh, if I can get a lead, I think you want to rest him as much as possible, and it's a great opportunity to put, you know, Jamari Harrison, Deshaun Lee out there together, you know, in case that day arises where, like we talked about on our our YouTube pod on Tuesday, where maybe Cooper has to slide to cash if there's an injury at you know to Castro or a safety where Castro drops back to safety, it just gives you more flexibility, and I just you just got to keep Cooper to healthy, and uh, I, I don't think he's like an injury risk or anything like that, but that. It's a day to get your stars out of the game early if you can build a big lead. All right, uh, Tyler, let's uh, let's finish up with this question. What things would make people send angry emails to me at six PM on Saturday?
1: Uh, generally, the offense. I'd just say not scoring enough points. Um, yeah, that just feels like kind of the was expected to be the biggest concern this season, and kind of has been. I think you could go two ways with that. One is. Cade McNamara in the passing game still not quite clicking, and the other is I Iowa not being able to run the ball because th- this is an opponent that you should be able to really establish the run and the offensive line should be able to have their way. And uh, the, the first two weeks haven't, I wouldn't say, been an overwhelming success from, from the run game. I think there was progress from week one to week two, and, and Jazz Patterson I think is a part of that because of the long run he had Against Iowa State and kind of seeing him have an increased role, you know, as a different ingredient and kind of dynamic to the room uh, of of the the running game. But I think being able to see Iowa's offensive line really impose itself in the run game and feel better about itself yeah. going into Penn State.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you don't see that, then yeah, then the angry emails might come. Um, you know, this, you know, Western Michigan as as sometimes you know. It does play it usually. It's played Iowa hard over the years. Plays Iowa well, so it's it's not necessarily going to be a cakewalk or anything like that. But yeah, that's the type of thing that if you don't see, then yeah, then then the uh, anger will ensue. I do think it is. You, you made you know what we're talking about these twenty five points per game. I mean, I do think points is a big factor on the scoreboard this week. And heck, Kirk Ferentz says points are you know points matter more than yards, but. I'd still like to see a lot of yards and a lot of offense. And I'd like to see Cade McNamara get out of the game at a decent time, too. You know, let's see Joe Labus out there for the first time this year. And, you know, Deacon Hill, maybe maybe that sort of starts to settle the number 2 quarterback conversation just a little bit. All right, coming up next, we'll make our score predictions for Iowa versus Western Michigan. You are listening to Hawk Central 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Myself and Tyler Tashman taking you to KXNO's Fantasy Camp, which airs at 7 o'clock tonight. All right, Iowa and Minnesota, Tyler, are the only two teams in the Big Ten West that are still 2-0. Been, uh, I would say, a rough stretch here for wisconsin's just been bumpy nebraska looks terrible look at northwestern get off the mat and just dominate utep uh you know purdue got purdue got a nice win last week uh, lost to louisville the first week so don't count them out and then we saw illinois you know kind of get it handed to them at kansas illinois got penn state this week tyler at home uh that is the big noon game on fox 11 a.m and then uh you know, could Iowa be the only three and and0 team in the West by Saturday? Minnesota is a seven and a half point underdog at North Carolina, your hometown team, right? Uh, Two thirty p.m. on ESPN on Saturday. Uh, some other big games out there too, but uh, what are you watching, Tyler, in the Big Ten this week?
1: I think kind of. Um, I'm interested in the Penn State at Illinois game just because uh, I was going to be at Penn State uh you know uh not this weekend but the following weekend so just to kind of see that first big 10 battle but no i think the minnesota at unc game is really intriguing as well minnesota's going to have their hands full with drake may um and amari and hampton and just carolina's offense um has a lot of firepower uh so i i think that's interesting also indiana uh playing louisville in uh lucas oil stadium indiana uh his name Taven Jackson uh you know younger brother uh Trace Jackson Davis who played basketball at Indiana um the starting quarterback after kind of a battle in fall camp and in the first two weeks of the season so um interested to kind of see how that shakes out um yeah those are those are a few games I'm interested of in kind of tracking
0: yeah, there's actually uh, seven non-conference Power 5 matchups this week involving Big Ten teams, I think, if I counted it up correctly. So, And one of those is Washington at Michigan State, which obviously uh, that has its own storylines with Mel Tucker's uh, situation, probably not coaching um, another game as Spartans head coach after uh, kind of the scandal that has emerged over there. Um, so we'll, we'll be watching that for sure uh, as that continues to unfold. And it's very notable because Michigan State comes into Kinnick Stadium uh, two weeks from Saturday. So uh, definitely keep our eye on the Huskies and Spartans. Future Big Ten matchup as well. (laughs) Maybe as soon as next year. Uh, One other topic I wanted to bring up, Tyler, which we did not yet regarding the Iowa Hawkeyes, is what's going to happen at running back? Such an interesting development in Ames with Jazzy and Patterson kind of becoming the lead back essentially for that game. I didn't get lead back carries, but had 10 carries for 86 yards. Really looked good. I mean, Caleb Johnson had 15 carries for 28 yards in the game. And then LeSean, LeSean Williams, one carry for three yards in the game. So, I don't know. What do you what What do you think about... What, how do you think Iowa will divvy up these running back carries this Saturday? And I guess we'll kind of evaluate what they do Saturday going forward. But after you saw what Jazz did, how do you do it?
1: Yeah, I think... Lashawn Williams and, and Caleb Johnson have got off to slow start and, and there was certainly a lot of ton kind of excitement surrounding Caleb Johnson after after the freshman season he had, but I, I think that Jazz Patterson has kind of been able to emerge as, as a spark, I think, is a good sign. I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers, uh he only has seven less rushing yards on the season than Caleb Johnson. He's Jazz Patterson is I was second leading rusher, and he has almost 20 carries less than Caleb Johnson. So he he's averaging 5.6 a carry to Caleb Johnson's 2.7. I think that Caleb Johnson. I think you have to continue to feed him. I think he's too good to even be close to giving up on him or um, you know cutting down his uh, his workload significantly. But I think that Jazz Patterson has definitely made a case to have an increased role. Maybe take some of Sean Williams' carries. Jazz Patterson has uh, a little bit more of that combination of, of power and speed, where Caleb Johnson's more a bigger bruising back. And I think because of the state of Iowa's offensive line, where um, they've been they've been okay but not great, that maybe a guy like Jazz Patterson, who has a little bit more speed and burst, might be a more effective option because of his ability to get through the hole quicker than Caleb Johnson would be. So I think at the very least, you kind of have a nice little change of pace now with Jazz Patterson. Uh, and not to mention that maybe one of his most important parts of, of his game is when he doesn't even have the the ball in his hands is his ability to block. Because some of the blocks that he was making against no. Iowa State that, where were he basically was like bowling and hit the split with the two uh, Iowa State defenders taking him one on two and uh, was able to knock down both of them was like probably one of the most incredible blocks that I've seen. So I I think that his ability to kind of be like a complete back and be able to bring a little bit of speed, a little bit of power, blocking, uh, ability to catch the ball, because he had that screen catch as well against Utah State um, that got a first down. So I think uh, even though there's you know slow start from LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson, I think I think at least Caleb Johnson will come around, and having Jazz Patterson now kind of into the mix as well is encouraging.
0: Yeah, I got a feeling they're going to try to reestablish Caleb Johnson a little bit this week. I feel like they're they're a better team if he's going to be be rolling, and I feel like Jazz Patterson for now could be your third down back and spark back, and uh, yeah, this is a big week for LeSean Williams to kind of maybe you know. Uh, Show what he can do because if he doesn't, uh, I could see him kind of being cast to the side as we hit Big Ten play uh, next week. All right, time for predictions, Tyler. uh, We only got about mm, two minutes left in the show, so I'll let you go first. We do need specifics. We need a score and what happens on Saturday.
1: I think Iowa wins 30 to nothing. I think uh, the offense takes another incremental step forward I don't think it's going to be as much as people would like but I think there's going to be more progress I think that we start to see Cade McNamara and those wide receivers uh, kind of seeing the fruits of their labor of those first two weeks maybe being a little bit off I think we see that start to kind of take shape in a a more tangible way Um, and I think Iowa's defense is going to be dominant I think uh, they're I mean they won't give up any points Um, so yeah I think it'll be a uh, like all around, you know, pretty dominant and thorough uh, performance.
0: So, um, as we pointed out, uh, I did nail the score exactly right last week, uh, twenty to thirteen. So just take, you just
1: had to throw that in again
0: ta- one more time. Just want to mention it for those that missed the post game pot. So uh, I've thought a lot about the score, and I'm going to go. I've dialed it back just a little, but I've got Iowa winning this one 41 to seven. Uh, I think this is a game where. I'm not convinced that the run game is going to click yet. I would like to see it. Uh, I I just don't know if the run game is as far along as the pass pass blocking, and I think that that is going to open up Cade McNamara to throw uh, for more yards than than, uh, we've seen this year for the Hawkeyes uh, offense. I do think they get to that 400-yard mark. I think Cade throws for three touchdowns, and uh, Hawkeyes get maybe a couple Drew Stevens field goals. You know, maybe get up, uh, let's say twenty-four nothing, you know, third quarter, and then uh turn it over. Uh maybe eh, let's say thirty-one nothing and then and then turn it over to Deacon Hill, finish it off forty one seven, late touchdown for Western Michigan. You know, now I'm getting real specific, but I'm just so just go with the score. You don't go necessarily the specifics. Forty one seven. Hawkeyes win on Saturday, and everyone's happy going to Penn State. So thanks, Tyler. Good show tonight. Uh we will be with you uh I'll see you Saturday in the press box. Yep, see you there. All right, uh, Saturday night's podcast, I think, is going to be audio only, so just check our Twitter feeds uh, and the Hawk Central app as our usual. Uh, I don't want to bore you with the details, but uh, our podcast operation is a little bit off Saturday night. But we will be with you from the Kinnick Press Box, like we said, 240 kickoff. And coming up next here on know it's Fantasy Camp with Nathan Fisher and Tyler Allen. This is Chad Leistico saying so long, and we will talk to you next Wednesday night here on Hawk Central. KXNO.